Welcome to episode four of The Messengers. I'm your host, Dave Jackson from theschoolofpodcasting.com. I want to thank everyone who's been providing feedback on the podcast. Episode three really hit home for some people, and I strongly urge you, if you are new to the show, go to themessengersdoc.com slash podcast and check it out. Also, if you would like to contribute to the documentary, our crowdfunding is live and we really need your support. So please contribute any amount at supportthemessengers.com. That website again, supportthemessengers.com. Now in today's episode, while the crew is happy to come home to their families, getting through customs isn't the only hurdle in front of them. So I saw a lot of things in Guatemala. I saw I saw things that um, I feel can't be unseen. Things I, I really wasn't prepared to see. You know, you hear these stories and people uh, tell you how hard people have in other, you know, third world or developing countries. And it's so easy to just kind of be blase about it and just say, yeah, I get it. Poor them. Just go right back to the grind and with, with what you're doing. And so I wasn't prepared to experience what I experienced. I wasn't prepared to see what I, what I saw. Because of his experience, Sean Smith has stressed the importance of cultural training to help reduce reverse culture shock. And we need to keep in mind that while the crew is flying around and they're capturing footage, participating with the activities, and getting very, very little sleep, they're also trying to take care of their regular day job from across the planet using hotel Wi-Fi. Well, sometimes things just get skipped. And in the case of John Dennis, he didn't hear about reverse culture shock. So John was going from doing mission work to being baptized by fire. So what you're about to hear is Sean describing what reverse culture shock is, and you'll hear John's real life experiences. We talk about cultural training and what is called reverse culture shock. When people go back to the U.S. after they've been serving in a developing country, even on short-term missions, because it can be quite dramatic. We got to the point where the stove was built, and she was trying to help with everything. The stove was built. It was time to light, light the fire. And uh, and she took her machete, and she goes out, we need wood. you know. So she goes out, and uh, she takes this block of wood. She takes her machete, and she's just chopping away. She's kneeling. She's doing a squat, this, this 70-something-year-old woman. She's, like, doing a squat, holding the block with her left hand, taking the machete in her right hand, and she's swinging this. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, here's this 70-something-year-old woman who's just, like, working her ass off to just come up with this wood so we could start this flame, this fire uh, for a stove. And, uh, and so that was, that was a moment where I thought, geez, <laughs> thought about my own mother actually in her seventies and, um, and just the conviction, the excitement. Um, she, she, she got her wood cut and handed the wood over and she said, uh, uno momento, one one minute, please. And she says, uno momento, por favor. She she goes around the corner, she disappears, and she sh- and she she walks just a couple minutes later. We're like, we're, you know, we, you know, we want to show her how to light the stove. And she comes back around the corner, and she's got three bottles of water that she had like her kid to go buy. So these people who live in these villages, on average, they're they're making a a a dollar twenty five per person per day or less. 
to get a bottle of water costs them oftentimes over a day's worth of work for just a bottle of water. It's very expensive for them. And she went and got three bottles of water for the stove team that was building the stove. And I, I had this massive smile on my face. I was like, oh my goodness, this is so sweet. And I look around and everyone else is kind of looking down and they're just kind of ho-hum and they're like, ah. and I, and I look at Sean Smith and I say, well, what, why the sad faces? And he looks at me and says, we really don't like them to do this because this is, you know, that's a good three, four days of work right there for her. And uh, that's the situation. Those are the things I saw right after that home. We went to another home. There was a woman who, uh, this was a tough one. This is, uh, uh, this was a, an emotional one for me. She lost her husband recently, recently, recently widowed. She has six daughters. Um, her daughters slept in this room that was, uh, you know, had a dirt floor and had a little tiny bit of hay on it. You know, and anyways, the, the, the anytime it would rain, which is like five months out of the year in Guatemala, um, th this room would become this mud slurry. They were on kind of this, this hill, this slope, and it was just the way the water would run. Um, so she really needed a concrete floor in that room. And, and so, um, the team was putting in a, a concrete floor and she got really emotional towards the end when she realized what was really happening. She, uh, was getting a floor and I, uh, two weeks ago, like about two weeks ago before this trip, my son spilled some juice on our carpet and I got so angry and, uh, Oh man, I yelled at him and I was like, Connor, what do you, you know, you're always, you're always spilling things. Come on, man. You know, I'm, he's four years old. <laughs> that flooded me because there was this woman who was crying for joy because her six daughters were now going to be able to sleep on a concrete floor. And, uh, that was a sobering moment, the, probably the most sobering moment for me. Uh, it can be quite dramatic. And I felt terrible that I didn't have the opportunity to, to speak with John before he went back to prepare him a little bit because it's very unexpected. You don't really understand how much you've been changed. I think the best way to put it is it's, it's kind of recalibrated my compass what I've been working for seems so unimportant on the scale of things. I, I got home. Uh, we landed actually. So I landed, um, you know, I'm flying back home, landed in Miami, have to go through customs. I had to wait two hours in line for customs. Any other trip that, that would have happened. I just, I would have been pissed and impatient. I had a smile on my face as I'm back in the United States of America. And when you walk the, the number one thing that people experience when they get into the airport when they land in the U.S. is they can't believe how clean the air is. You forget you're here for a week or two and you take your first breath uh, walking outside the plane and, and it's like sterile. It's, it's startling. And the second thing you notice is people complaining that their bag didn't show up on time or that their flight is maybe delayed or what have you. And you've just been sitting with people who are cooking over an open fire flame with smoke and uh, it just unbelievably uncomfortable and not one complaint. And so there's this, this incredible culture shock when a lot of our team members come back as John experienced. 
drove home. I pulled into my house and I sat out in front of my house and I, I lost it. I, 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 I was good five, five, seven minutes. I just sat out there. Um, for the first time in a very long time, I was grateful for the place I was pulling into, you know, it's changed my perspective on a lot of things. You know, I, <laughs> in areas I, I, I used to be impatient. Um, I'm noticing I've become more patient in, um, it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts because it's so easy to fall back into the natural thing of, you know, everything that you're doing in life. And, um, here we are at a conference, you know, and, uh, I was actually thinking this morning, we're all listening to one of the keynote speakers and just looking around and it's, you look at all this technology perspective, man. I'm literally counting the dollars that a, a piece of lighting equipment that's hanging above my head costs and thinking to myself, how many days of work that is for one person down in these villages that we served in Guatemala. It's just, it's, it's perspective shifting. Most people have some sort of reverse culture shock and it's disturbing. For me, the first time I came back from India, I, I had had that training, but even with that, I was very disturbed by this. In fact, I couldn't talk about my experience for three months. And I'm a professional keynote speaker. I mean, I could not <laughs> put into words how this had affected me. It was just so deep and so beyond words. And so I really struggled with how to communicate my experience. Because what happens is you come back and people say, Hey, how's India? How's Guatemala? Mm. Like, how's your vacation? Right. And it's so hard to, uh, to put a face on the experience and the children that you've served to describe your feelings. It's just, it, for most it's, it's pretty overwhelming. And so I had some excellent training coming back, but I needed more. And I actually went and, and uh, reached out to our cultural trainer who trained us in India. And I asked her, I said, you know, I, I need, I need to do something like, tell me, help me understand what I'm going through and what to do with this. And, and so I described some of what I was going through and she said, Oh, you feel anxious. And I said, yes. And she said, you feel this, this incredible weight on your shoulders. And I said, yes. And because Dave, all I was, I was having these flashbacks, these flashback experiences. Like I would smell, like I would be at a campfire, you know, in one of these church camps and I'd be singing and the, the wind would shift and a puff of smoke would hit me in the face and boom, I'm back to India with open fire cooking inside their homes. I mean, these flashback experiences were happening 10, 12 20 times a day for me, for months. I mean, I, I couldn't escape it. Sean wasn't the only one having flashbacks. Here's director Neil Galarte. And so the other day I was looking at the footage and when I watched it, it was, it took me right to that second. It literally felt like I was looking right at her again. Reverse culture shock or not, the crew had a full schedule with more flights planned, more interviews to prep for, and as the old saying goes... The show must go on. So back at home, it was time to kick off the crowdfunding. So here's John Dennis to not only talk about the funding, but to talk about executive producer Chris Kermitsos. 
So one of the things I admire about Chris is, you know, when he gets this idea, um, he locks into it, you know. And the messengers was this idea that um, he committed to, like wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I don't think he knew what it would take financially to put together this film. It's not a film that's that's recorded with iPhone. I mean, this is we're out with cameras that are that are expensive. We're you know you're lugging these around the world essentially, and it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. It just takes a lot of resources. And you know, I I don't think I don't think you really knew what it would take to to create this film and so you know he's got he's a he's a new father him and katie they're new parents and they've got this child and of course they've got to consider you know we have to plan accordingly we have to be responsible with finances so i know he had a budget and that budget was quickly decimated i mean he flew past it and he still continued to, to spend money on this film so i'm really hoping that with uh with a, a crowdfunding campaign people believe in the messengers enough to support it and uh, to help create this film to help make this film a reality so that it can be put into the world and so that it can make an impact in other people's lives so it can inspire people to share their own message in this wonderful medium that we call podcasting i can't imagine what it's like to have this uh, this this deep drive and desire to push on and you know come to this realization that like holy crap we're gonna run out of money like we we don't have the resources to to put this together in the way that we need to put this together um so i'm really hoping that people find a way to support this film as i record this episode we have less than a month to raise the funds and we're just a little over halfway to our goal we really need your support and if you think well my five or ten dollars won't make a difference I'm here to say it would. All you have to do is go to supportthemessengers.com and chip in today. It is hugely appreciated. Today's episode featured clips from Sean Smith of nowisthetimeformissions.com and themobilepro.net, as well as John Dennis, who runs the Podcasters Hangout, which is Facebook's largest group dedicated to podcasting, and director Nia Galarte of Wild Style Media at wildstylemedia.net. Our website is themessengersdoc.com. Hear all the episodes by going to themessengersdoc.com slash podcast. I'm Dave Jackson from theschoolofpodcasting.com asking you, what's your message? In the next episode of The Messengers, lack of sleep, dirty hotels, and a mountain of stress start to take their toll on the team. Can these award-winning filmmakers hold it together? Subscribe on iTunes and get the episodes the minute they are available and find out.